Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Live in local Phillies, Fave 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. It's your brother, Brother Marcus. I am in the pastor's office. I am in for Pastor Mason. So I'm going through everything, changing everything, why he is not here right now. But we're going to have a great show for you today. We have a Gospel Stellar Award nominee, Billboard Charting Artist, and Recording Academy member. I am so excited to be with this person today. America, get ready for the intense, inspirational interview with Lawrence Hancock. Lawrence, how you doing, brother? Real good, Marcus. Thanks so much for having me, bro. Man, we're excited to have you. Uh, today, it's all about you. It's all about your new album. Tell everybody in America, what is the name of your new album? Album number nine, Waiting for You. Definitely a, a piece that we are exceptionally excited about and definitely is picking up steam. And we're definitely excited about the opportunity to talk with you about it today. And I'm, I'm so glad that you guys have allowed us to be a part of this. Now, we know that it came out on May 19th, so it is still fresh, and we're like the first ones to be on it. I'm, I'm so excited, man. <laughs> you Listen, Marcus, I'm, I'm excited with you, man. I mean, I, I got a special place in my heart for Philly. You know, my, my own boy is, is there coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. He went to Mount Union. I had a music scholarship there. So, you know, big shout-out to the Philadelphia Eagles and definitely excited about the music as well. All right. Well, tell everybody where you're from. I know where you're from because I got all your information, but you have a little bit of an accent. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's fast. I'm talking to everybody around the world, right, Marcus? But uh, definitely Absolutely. born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. Definitely mud made 419. Big shout out to the 419. Uh, I now hail from Detroit, Michigan. I've lived here a couple of times and definitely excited about the mix of both, you know, the Motor City and the 419. And definitely excited about the influences that have also come, you know, through Toledo, Ohio, musically. People like Lena Wilson, you know, the late Derek Roberts. And then you got the musical icons that have definitely graced it. You know, the Thomas Whitfields of the world, Rudolph Sansfields of the world that have definitely helped pave the way for gospel music today. And, you know, we see that you have uh, one of the things that you that stood out, as you said, influences. Who influences you as a writer, producer, and artist? The influences kind of come from a lot of different directions. I mean, you got to go old school because I did go to the conservatory. So you got to give Chopin and Chipskowski a little bit of love. But you got to also give big ups to, you know, John P. Key for his creativity. You know, Fred Hammond for his gruel uh, in the way he produces music. And you can't leave my godfather out, the late great Bishop Rance Allen, and just having the longevity that he had in the music business. And and for and for yourself again when I'm when I'm asking these questions most of the answers I already know but um, how long have you been in in doing gospel music? 
Oh, Marcus, I started writing church songs, man. At the age of 11, God graced me to be able to then matriculate, earn a scholarship to school. Uh, back in the day, won the Thomas A. Dorsey Gospel Music Convention, Choir Director of the Year, uh, Songwriter of the Year. And, you know, we matriculated with our first single in 2011. It kind of shocked me a little bit that people actually liked it. Your first album came out <laughs> in 2013. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was kind of par, to be honest. I mean, it wasn't really that good. You know, and I thank God for my brother Christopher Squire, you know, who definitely challenged me to, to really get after it. And, you know, third album was our first Billboard record, and we've been running ever since. And what was the name of that first Billboard recording record that, that got to the charts? Oh, Live Again. Absolutely. Live Again. It was definitely that record that I really began to pour my heart out into as a singer. You know, I've been a songwriter, a musician my entire life, but I haven't always been a singer. And, you know, I had to cross over the burning sand, so to speak, on on getting over the phobia of, of being able to sing publicly. But I've definitely crossed that threshold and, you know, we're giving God glory every since then. Awesome. Awesome. And you know what? I want to ask you this because, um, a lot of, a lot of artists, they sometimes want to answer this question or they don't. So I'm going to try to ask you almost 75 questions. <laughs> We're going to try to get through as many questions as we can. And I know you're going to answer them honestly. And if it sounds a little too much, you can say pass, pass. Okay. So we're going to go with it. <laughs> We're going to go with this one. What are your strengths as a gospel singer? My strength as a gospel singer is I'm a student. I study music, and I definitely have not boxed myself in as a vocalist. I can tell you that, you know, coming into uh, this record, I studied, you know, a lot of vocalists that were not even necessarily men. You know, I studied you know, Kim Burrell's vocal ability and some of the things that she does. I studied my, my little sister, Ja'Kalen Carr, and just some of the things that she does vocally. And, you know, as, as a singer, the music changes, but what you do doesn't really change. I mean, most singers have a, a patented style that they kind of say, okay, here's the upper spec, here's the lower spec of what I can do. Yeah, I can push the limits a little bit, but this is who I am. And, you know, you got to give big ups to people like, uh, once again, Fred and John P. Key and my godfather, you know, Bishop Allen. You know, they were definitely those singers as well. They understood what they did well. They, they rocked it right there, and that's, and that's what made them successful. And that's what's definitely making you successful, even right now. Now, can I ask you this? Um, I know you said that you know you're, you're obviously into music. What instruments or instrument do you play? I am a piano player, uh, but I am also you know a composer. You know, in in the modern era, they would call him a beat maker. So I have both a, an Akai MPC and also have a Native Instruments machine. So <laughs> I definitely, I, so I definitely, you know, compose music from a piano at times. But there is definitely a whole lot of that knock that's hitting first. What you know what? So you know, I, I like that because some people that can produce, they can, they can. Um, they can also produce a song that they can sing to, like singers. I, you know, I, I'm a, I sing, but I'm not a singer, you know, but I can produce tracks. But as you being a producer and knowing how to hear music, do you think it's easier for you to write music? Well, writing music is what I did first, right? So when I started writing music, we didn't have an Akai NPC. <laughs> 
Well, actually, right, yeah, we, right. We, we we had we had the MPC sixty. Now I'm dating myself, right? I mean, so we had the original <laughs> Roger Lynn, but it was still so expensive. You know, my family wasn't buying one of those. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it just, we were we were still writing music on keyboards. You know, writing them for choirs that may have had a drummer, the bass player, and an organ player, right? And so, writing music is definitely my strength. But to your point. Because I'm a songwriter, I know that when I'm producing the track, which I actually do first, where to leave the room to understand, mm. okay, now this is not something you're getting ready to rap over, per se. You're going to sing this one, so you need to leave some room. And, you know, and then there's a process that I go through, you know, to be able to get the product to market. Right, exactly, exactly. So let me ask you this. What, like, and this, this is one of those questions where you could say yay or nay, right, or pass. What makes you feel that you're in the right position to do the music that you're doing right now, especially currently with this new album with so many songs on it? Well, simply because it just doesn't sound like anything anybody else is doing. And, and because mm. I'm able to consistently, you know, create albums in which none of my songs sound like the previous album, it just allows me... To, to, to flow in that space. And obviously, until I begin to recycle the same music, I'll probably keep going. <laughs> I love it. You know, because, you you know, you play the piano, is, is, it, is it rude or ignorant to think that, hey, because you play the piano, that you can play the keyboard or the organ? Well, the keyboard and the piano are one and the same. Now, a Hammond organ is a completely different animal. You've got to have some left-hand, right-hand coordination with your left foot, and that's definitely, you know, something to learn. So, But, you know, if you can play a keyboard and a piano, they're pretty much one and the same. A Wurlitzer, you know, a Mark 8, those kinds of Mark 7, I'm sorry, I said a Mark 8, I'm thinking about car, a Mark 7. Mark 5. Piano, right. And so uh, you definitely, you know, can get around on a keyboard and a piano pretty much the same. Okay, got it. Because I wanted to make that clear to a lot of people, because sometimes people think, hey, if you're a piano player, you can play the keyboard, which is kind of like almost a fact in a way. But if you're a piano player and a keyboard player, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can play the organ. That's correct. I mean, and, and if we can have some fun with it, Marcus, you know, the main reason why you don't have a lot of people playing the organ right now is because there's no transpose button. You know, we've got a lot of uh, people playing keyboards, you know what I'm saying, not even a piano, to where they, they're so good with their ear training that they can hit the transpose button a couple of times, even in the midst of a service or, or a concert, and actually find the right key of the song and just continue to jam out. I mean, and listen, ain't no hateration from me. If that's how you get down, do it. <laughs> get down, just do it. Praise God any way that you can. Now, Absolutely. Um, in the last, <laughs> let me ask you this. Where do you see yourself as a, a gospel recording artist in the next five years? Um, I see myself, you know, crawling into a place where I may be relevant in the next five years. Um, but I mm -hmm. also see myself emerging as one to continue to quietly help other emerging artists along. Uh, the music business is very tricky, uh, to say the mm -hmm. least. You know, the Lord has blessed me to earn, you know, uh, credentials in music business from DePaul University as well as the Berkeley College of Music. And the navigation of the business keeps changing. And that's not going to change. But what the artist needs now is leadership. They need to understand, okay, who am I? 
what am I trying to do? And how realistic is my expectation today? And realistically, how long will it take for me to be successful? You know, when I look at, you know, myself, this is album number nine. It was really, you know, I've, I've had multiple Billboard records. You know, I've had, you know, a Stellar Award nomination. But quite honestly, the last album uh, is the first one, Don't Stop Caring, that I really felt like, okay, I'm here. I'm in a space mm. now to where I can breathe and now really begin to really work on the artistry of it versus trying to make it. And for exactly. each individual, you know, recording artist, that path is different. It's not, oh, if I just do it the way Lawrence Hancock did it, that's how I'm going to get on. Not, 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 not. That's not how it works. And so what recording artists, inspiring recording artists need is leadership. Somebody that's going to love them, tell them the truth, and say, okay, you might be three or four records out before you ever make any noise. And if you're not really willing to take three or four albums to the chin, stop. Right. And so th this is why I believe and not believe, but I actually know that you will forever remain relevant in this business because of your perspective. Did you hear what you said? Helping other artists, teaching and training. You will always be relevant. And some people need to know what you just said. You know, some people think they're going to make it or be a big time gospel singer, star or whatever it is that they're reaching for. When sometimes you have to, it takes time. Like if you, you know, start a business, you don't start making millions of dollars the first year it usually takes five years before you can see something really take place i mean and to your point you know what we you know we studied this thing right so mm -hmm. from michael jackson to prince to rihanna none of those folks made it big off of their first album right it takes you to get to your second or third record if you can survive it to before you really ever begin to make noise. I mean, I thank God for, you know, a radio uh, program director, Tracy Morgan, who's on the East Coast. And I remember meeting Tracy and, you know, I gave her my first record and she took it. And then I saw her at the sellers again the next year. She was like, yeah, I know who you are. But what they were looking for, <laughs> she's like, I don't know who you are. And we're actually pretty cool friends. She's a Washington Commanders fan, so, and I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so we're always talking trash. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it takes people to hear or see you do it more than once before they begin to take you seriously. And I think that's one of the free gems that I like to just kind of give away in this interview is that people are looking for longevity. If you think that you're getting ready to make it because you got a tight beat, you got bars, you got vocals, you and you think you're just getting ready to come out here on the first swing of the bat, stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's not how because it works. Right. It takes time. It takes time. I have put out a couple of records myself and, you know, it takes time. And I do it because I just enjoy doing what I do and ministering when I have the opportunity. But what what motivates you to continue on? This is your ninth album. What what motivates you to say, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do this ninth album. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put this many songs on there. What What really, truly motivates you? Um, being a composer, right? You know, like I shared earlier, I write music and there's a lot of music that I write that never sees the light of day on my album just because I didn't like the way I sang it. I mean, so I've got as many songs available that have not been released that has been released. And so the motivation wow. is really just being, you know, a composer. I mean, I start off with probably 40 tracks 
And by the time I'm done, you know, into the mix phase, there's probably 20 plus still standing. And through mastering is how we get to the final few. So, you know, it's it's that creative juice, if you will, of just being able to be free and to compose without restriction. And most importantly, it's just like going to the tank and saying, okay, is there anything left in there? And then, of course, it happens, and then I start crying. My wife be looking at me all funny and sideways, you know, because I'm all <laughs> teary-eyed because, you know, it's like, okay, God, you still got something left in me. And so that that's the motivation, the fact that he still continues to renew a sound in me um, that's relevant for this time. Now, now, let me ask you this, because you, you mentioned you were married, and I'm glad that you did that. So how long, and I'm going to ask personal questions. Again, you can always stop me. i just like to like our, our listeners to really get to know the artists that they hear on the radio. So how long have you been married? I've been married almost four years. And my wife and I, we have a blended family because both of our previous marriages didn't work. But God is mm-hmm. able, and, and he brought us together. <laughs> and we're still and, and, out. Amen. And that's what it's all about, family. It doesn't matter who's from where and who's with you. The, the point of the matter is you guys are together. You are a strong unit. And I wanted to make sure that we, uh, you know, acknowledge your family and all that great, yeah. great stuff. And so right you know, there, right there, I, I get in trouble if I don't do this one. So a shout-out to my <laughs> wife, Lakeisha Hancock. And- Thank God for my son, LJ, and my daughter, Lauren, and my daughter, Imani, my son, Akil, my daughter, Demery, my daughter, Desiree, and my son, Desmond. Love all of y'all. Whoa. You have a lot of children. <laughs> you know, so like I good. said, we got a blended family, so I, but they hey, all mine. That, they, listen, I often I often say this. It takes more of a real man, in my opinion, to take care of other children that aren't his biologically than for the man who takes care of his own. Now, some people might disagree with me, but, man, you've manned up two and three and four times, maybe a couple of more times. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, Desiree, she just graduated with her bachelor's degree from Defiance College in Ohio. And, you know, I tell her all the time, you know, that's one of my bonus daughters. But I said, you more my kids than anybody. <laughs> so there you go. Absolutely right. There you go, man. Big shout out to your daughter graduating. Um, congratulations. That is awesome. You, you're, you know, educating your children, getting them ready for the world and living your dream at the same time. That's, it doesn't get any better than that, right? God is good, Mark. God is definitely <laughs> good, man. Now I'm going to get back to some more of those questions. Um, do you work well with a team or by yourself? You know, because I'm bivocational, um, I am a servant leader. I pastor two small congregations along with doing music. So because of my schedule and because I still have a toe in corporate America as well, I um, I still have to manage my time. And, you, and if you've done music, you know what I'm getting ready to say. Trying to coordinate with other musicians has nothing to do with personality, but has everything to do with time and time management. Yes. And for me... It has. It's just easier for me to be able to do, you know, most of the work myself. I have done collaborations. I got a good brother in Toledo, Ohio, Arthur Bishop, you know, who plays saxophone, tremendous gift, 
You know, he's been on a couple of records. I got a rapper, young fella uh, named B Wheels. He won 106 in Park Rap Championship back in the day from um, from Toledo, Ohio, as well. He's been on a couple of records, and then you got Nikki D and the Browns. You know, amazing quartet sisters. You know, they also go by the Sisters of Thunder. You know, they've been on a record as well. So, you know, we've had a chance to do collaborations with other vocalists and rappers and that kind of thing. But from a musical standpoint, because I'm a composer, is where it really starts. So I don't really have that space, you know, so much. But I do definitely include other artists. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because you're you're looking at it as all in together now, not me, myself, and I factor, and no one else matters. So I appreciate that answer. Now, what is your uh, biggest weakness as a gospel recording artist? Um, Probably not starting to sing until 2011. I mean, when you think about, you know, most folks who are singing gospel music today, they almost came out of the womb. <laughs> singing, yeah, right? yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I laugh all the time because I think about uh, the great Bishop Marvin Winans, and I, I joke with my wife all the time. I said, you know, I, I haven't fallen down and hitting my head. I am not Bishop Marvin Winans, and I'm not my friend uh, Pastor <laughs> Donnie McClurkin either. I mean, they can play the throat first thing in the morning and sing Heaven Down. I'm not that guy, right? But I definitely understand that studying these these you know, great in gospel music, it definitely continues to help me benchmark and understand, you know, what my strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, and cultivating them. Absolutely. So now I'm going to go to this. We're going to go secular for just a moment. So speaking of uh, secular mainstream artists, who are some of the female secular artists that you enjoy, that their, their vocal ability? Um, vocal ability. Um, I, I, I don't judge me because I'm I'm the preacher, right? So I gotta kind of just <laughs> be, be kind of obvious with it. I don't really listen to a lot of secular music, but you know there are some people that are in your face. So, for example, this young girl, her, who's on the state farm yes. commercials, she's one of those people that wakes up in the morning, <clears throat> she clears her throat, and she can just blow, right? So yes. you you definitely appreciate what she has to offer. Um, you, you also like people like Jasmine Sullivan who kind of been on the back burner and finally is getting her her due because she's been at it a long time. She has a tremendous gift as well. Yeah, and that goes to your point about artists making for, you know, one and two and three albums and then finally they have an opportunity after the fifth to be heard like a Jasmine Sullivan. All right, so continue on. Who else, what other female artists do you uh, really admire and appreciate that are, you know, doing... I'll go to the other end of the spectrum, and then I'll go Billy Illish. And the reason why I say Billy is because Billy's a grinder. She's been at mm. it a long time, right? I did the homework. So she got signed at like 13, 14. They did a single, then they did an EP, and by the time her debut album came out, she had already had three projects. But she works her butt off. And that yeah. kind of fortitude and that kind of work ethic is contagious. And she understands the stage. She understands, you know, who her audience is. And most importantly, she understands who she is. And she's unapologetically <laughs> her. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that. Awesome. Now, we're still going to go and stay in the secular realm. Um, okay. What, what male vocalist do you say, man, I really like that guy's vocal ability? Oh, wow. Um, you got to give, that's, that's quite a few. 
Um, mm-hmm. You got to give Chris Brown his props. I mean, he, he's a definitely a unique personality, but yeah. vocal ability is undeniable, right? You know, and oh, then you got to, yeah, you, you got to go back and just give it to him. Uh, you got to go back a few minutes ago and go back and grab Usher. You know, just a tremendous ability to actually just go. And then there's a fella some years ago who's still relevant out here that just can flat out sing, and that's Joe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those are guys that just can just stand flat-footed and just sing, period. All right, cool. I'm going to shout out some names, and you can say, uh, I like that artist. You know what I mean? And it's okay, because we're still staying secular for a moment, um, just so that people can understand your music ability or your thought process on artists. And again, to all of our listeners, you're tuned into Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. I've taken over the pastor's office. It's your brother, Brother Marcus. And you know I'm all up in here with this powerful recording artist that everybody's getting to know, Lawrence Hancock. All right, so now we're getting back into the... the um, the secular artist that I wanted to mention. I'm going to shout out some names, and you could say whatever you think of when I shout that name out to you. Um, okay. Let's Teddy Riley and Guy. Oh, you know that sound. I mean, they definitely brought harmonization to the game, and the musicality was second to none. Mm-hmm. Music soul child. Music soul child. How to hear in Philadelphia. Uh, Oh, just the tremendous gift, very unique, um, and you know it's it's a space where we're kind of missing music a little bit. So hopefully he hears this and he goes ahead and he grabs you know a pen and and a, and a Fender Rhodes and goes to work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, now, because listening to the singers that you were mentioning before, there are some uh, singers that have distinct distinctive voices. What about a, a Fantasia? A powerhouse. I mean, you know, and I heard through the grapevine that she may be working on a gospel record. And, you know, if that mm-hmm. gospel record comes out and they actually do it right, I think we're all going to have to just push pause and just grab popcorn and a soda because it's going to be on. <laughs> you ain't never lie, brother. All right. Now, so now let's get back to more of all of these questions. Um as a recording artist, right? You know, when you're writing and producing, have you ever had, you know, some tight deadlines that you, as a recording artist, that you had to get this done, the record's getting ready to come out, you feel like you needed, let's just say, a certain amount of songs, and you got to get them mixed out, the album's ready to be released. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure before? Yes, I apply it to myself, and that's one of the things that you probably know, is that, you know, I really handle the music from A to Z. And so I have, you know, an action plan. I have a new product development life cycle that I've developed uh, for music from the automotive industry that allows me, it's called advanced product quality planning, in which I can basically tell you from the day in which I start working on an album within a week or two when that record is actually going to hit the street. So I'm always driving to very, very strict, you know, <laughs> deadlines. I mean, I was Johnny on the spot calling in today because that's just the nature of how I operate. You can't be successful in the music business dragging your feet. You have to be the uh, first one up and you have to be the last one out. 
And, you know, mm. that's me from me being a former football player. And, you know, you talk about the great quarterbacks in the National Football League. You know, they're the first people in the building at four and a half, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And then they're last people out. And so if you want to be great, you have to be able to drive yourself to that place. And I'm, I've been fortunate enough to do that thus far. So let me ask you this question here. Being, you know, Lawrence Hancock, you know, everybody knows you. They're getting to know you. What are some of the things? Well, tell us about a typical day for for you. What's your typical day from the time that you get up until the time you go to sleep? You could pick any day of the week, but what is what is a typical day for you? Oh, man. Now, see, you, you asked a tough question because... <laughs> If I answer this question, they're not going to believe that I'm real. Listen, um, I, I believe it. <laughs> well, well, this is how it works. You know, I, I get up in the morning. You know, I still have a foot in corporate America, so I work all day. Um, I am now finishing up a doctoral degree in strategic leadership. So I do schoolwork. Um, I have scheduled meetings with all of the members of our churches scattered throughout the week. And so that interrupts some of my schooling time. That also interrupts some of the music business things that I need to do. And so my days start really early and they go really late and and I keep rolling. So quite honestly, Marcus, if I thought about and I really tried to articulate all that I do it would probably bring me to a place of a standstill. So I don't really think about it. I just do it. And you know what? I can totally co-sign that because my, my wife, uh, you know, is, is a doctor now. And so I know what it was like her running a school in Philadelphia and doing studies, having meetings, going on trips and having to deal with the family. So I get it, man. And I applaud you for working towards your doctoral degree. I really do. And I take my hat off to you. I mean, my ambition, you know, I might as well just finish it off. My ambition is to be able to offer some formal education, uh, whether I, I actually join the faculty and staff of another higher learning institution or I, I come up with an opportunity that supplements what they're doing, to be able to make sure that young people understand that you trying to be a starving musician doesn't work. And so mm. you're going to have to have skill sets that are transferable into other markets so that you can fund what it is that you're trying to do because that the old school record deal doesn't work. The old record mm. school record deal money isn't available. And quite honestly, you can actually kill your career signing a record deal too soon. And right. so young people need to understand, have somebody that can lead them in that discussion in their own mind. Because, you know, I, I talk to people and they say, oh, I got it, I got it. And I say, okay, well, what if you don't? Mm -hmm. well, what do you mean? You hating on me. No, I'm not hating on you. I said, the numbers say that nobody makes it on their first swing. Right. Well, Billy Illish and her brother made it on their first swing. No, they didn't. She had a single. She had an EP. And by the time we got to her album, it was actually her third project. Mm. And so the data says differently. And so just being able to have that credential and strategic leadership to be able to offer, you know, along with my music business credentials, to be able to speak intelligently into the lives of people on all walks of life all over the globe. Absolutely. And, you know, I appreciate your open and your candidness about, uh, you know, your approach 
to not just going out here being a singer, wishing I'm a star, wishing on a star, hoping that you're going to be a star. Not you personally, but, you know, figuratively speaking, when there's other facets to who you are, you need a job to fund what you're doing. You need a job to, you know, so you can facilitate your dream. And I definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of artists, they would sit there and just, you know, I'm going to be something big and they don't want to work. They don't want to do all these other things because they're not signing, you know, record contracts or, you know, giving you upfront monies like they used to at one point, you know. And I'm not hating, but you really don't want that money because it's so hard for the record labels today to recoup their money on brand new artists that you can literally injure your career before it ever starts. Exactly. And some people. And so what a lot of the labels are doing now is they're not really signing artists until they can demonstrate that they can generate the numbers. Right. Because I mean, so the number just to be able to generate the numbers because it, it, that's the the indice. You know, now it's okay. Well, how many socials do you have? How many you know geeks do you have? You know. And they really want you to put out product on your own anyway. And that's where a lot of really talented people struggle, is being able mm -hmm. to say, I've got ability, I've got songs, but I really don't know how to get it to market. And that's where we want to be able to continue to help people quietly. And so let me, let me ask you this question. What's the most, uh, we're going to switch gears just a little bit, because once again, I want everybody to have a clear understanding of who Lawrence Hancock is, not just as a, um, you know, as a writer, as a producer, but an all-around person, a father, you know, um, one who's been in the game, who's 11 albums. Uh, am I saying that right? 11 albums? Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> nine, nine. Well, I don't know where I'm getting 11 from, but maybe that's what's... <laughs> The eleven the eleventh album is going to allow you to travel globally or something, right? But um, so, what's the most difficult um, situation you found yourself in as uh, a gospel singer? I think it's navigating the business. Um, it's business. It's not ministry, and mm. a part of the music is ministry, and a part of it is business. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out here who have no problem taking advantage of gospel recording artists. And they justify mm -hmm. it by saying, oh, well, they're looking for fame, so I'm going to give them what they're looking for. And that's not true. There are a lot of really good-hearted young people who are seen to the glory of God, who have ambitions of being able to do records, not because of certain seeking fame, because let me just give you the numbers. The numbers are gospel slash Christian music only makes up 10% of the United States consumption of all music anyway. So it's only one out of every 10 people. And most of the Christians that I know are not listening to gospel music 100% of the time. So the True. fame opportunity is, is limited. There's only so much room for a Kirk Franklin and a Jacqueline Carr. And, you know, I mean, when you start talking about yeah. household names, th there's only so much room for J.J. Harrison and uh, Pastor Mike Jr. There's only so much room. And so yeah. you, you have to understand that and then plan accordingly. And if you plan accordingly, you can emerge and have a little piece of the pie, but keep it in perspective that, you know, 
this thing is not as it's not secular music. I mean, if I was doing secular music because they offered me the opportunity to do that some years ago, and God said no. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that if I was doing secular music, I wouldn't be working a day job. Because, you know, the right. musicality, I go into studios and things of that nature, and, and all of the rappers and all of the hip-hop folks, that's what they want. They was like, all right, so what does it take to do it? I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And it also leads me to the scripture where the word of the Lord says, you know, what does it profit a man if he what? Gain the whole world. world. Yeah. And, and that's what I like about, you know, having this interview with you is that you're being very open, very transparent and letting people know, hey, it's good to, to do what you do, but there's a business side to it and there's a ministerial side to it. So uh, later on in the show, we're definitely going to be playing, playing some of your records because I want people to get the true essence of who you are. Now, this is a side question that just came to me, and I'm not going to say God gave it to me. It's just my silliness that gave it to me. Your okay. last name, Hancock. Right? Are you, and I'm sure you probably got this, are you um, related to uh, Herbie Hancock? No relation. No relation. I wish. Man. No <laughs> I just had to ask that question because I know our, our listeners are probably like, wait a minute, ain't that somebody? Isn't he related to? You know? So, um, what does success mean to you? Success means to me, um, the music mattering, right? If I was seeking money, I wouldn't be doing gospel music. I probably wouldn't be doing mm. music at all because it would cost me my life to do something other than gospel music anyway. But, you know, success means to me, you know, people being able to listen to the music and it, one of the two of the songs actually connects with them. And as long mm-hmm. as, you know, that that occurs, you know, that's success to me. You know, my quarterback coach, when I was in high school, you know, off the last record, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, that that's the one right there. And so just being able to have those experiences and knowing that the music connects with people, that's what it's all about. You know, at the end of the day on this new record, you know, can't take nothing from here. The second track, you know, talks about, you know, when the trumpet sounds you're going to have billions in bricks and ain't none of it going. And if you leave mm. here before the, the trumpet sound, ain't none of it going with you in the box. Your family's not sending no, no Bugatti with you. The ice is not <laughs> going with you. All of the stuff, they're going to they keep it for themselves. They're going to send you with some yeah. plastic jewelry. They're going to make you look good. But none of the stuff that you really acquire here on the earth in the earth realm is going with you to heaven anyway, except for Jesus. So we need to be able to make sure that we understand that we can enjoy our lives. I'm not one of those. You know, I like nice things and all of that stuff, too. But we have to just make sure that that's not our focus 100%. That's right, that we keep everything in perspective. Absolutely. Man, I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to talk. We're not over yet, of course, because... um, I want you to name, I know you named one record that you said, hey, this is a, a really good record, song number two on the album. What? Name a couple of the records that really made you feel like, I had to put this song out on this particular album. Well, you know, there's there's a business side to it. So, you know, and then there's a ministry side. And one of the things that we fail to realize is that the saints work out. And they want music that they can work out to, just like if they're listening to, you know, somebody else. And so right. Dancing for the Lord, you know, track number 12 is definitely, you know, a, a upbeat, 
you know, moving kind of song that, you know, definitely fuses, you know, a couple of different approaches. And, you know, the early feedback on that song has been more than favorable. Um, I, I think that um, Waiting for You, the title track, you know, when I wrote it, I told my wife, I said, you know, I feel like this may be the greatest song I've ever written. She kind of looked at me like, um, you've written some really great songs, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just it just hits me different and you know and you know she was driving into the garage one day and i was standing in the door and she you know the garage door didn't go down and i could hear her listening to the song and i said see told you <laughs> it's just it's one of those songs that is not really complicated you know not a lot of complex musicality just from the heart, man, and and that's definitely one of those songs as well that uh, definitely encourages me to continue to do music. And what song was that? Song number "Waiting for You." That's track number fourteen, the title track. Oh, okay, the song number fourteen, "Waiting for You." Man, that's yep. awesome. So now I know we've asked you a ton of questions, right? I probably asked you more than the seventy-five that I wanted. <laughs> that's quite all right. Yeah, I just wanted the listeners to really get a feel of a true, authentic, real, open recording artist, gospel artist, inspirational singer. I just wanted people to really get the essence of who you are, how you think. And then, you know, later on in the show, we're definitely going to play a couple of records so people can understand who you are, how you operate. Now, I know you've been singing since you uh, your, your first recording was around 11 or when you noticed that you were really, um, you know, ready to... Well, you just knew you had something special at 11. Well, you know, it church, man. I mean, you know, I wrote a song called Jesus Will Set Your Soul Free. And um, it took, you know, our church into a high place of praise and worship, man. And, of course, you're 11 wow. years old and you're just kind of like, Really? And, you know, and it became, you know, a favorite. And, you know, we're grateful for those experiences as as they definitely were those milestones where you say, okay, there is something about, I mean, you, you're not real fancy at 11, so you're not using, you know, you know, prodigy or you're so anointed. You're, I mean, you're just kind of like, okay, <laughs> all right, so there's something to this. And so you just continue to do it. But, you know, the beauty of I'm glad you asked me that because, but I still continued to play football. I played varsity football four years <laughs> of high school. I played a little college football, played basketball. I mean, so I had a balanced life. And I think that's where, once again, we, we want young people to understand that you want to take this music seriously, but you don't want to find yourself in a space to where you put all this pressure and all these expectations on yourself to where my first album, I'm taking the game by storm, okay? Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't happen... You, you then you pack up the tent and you go home because you think you don't have it. That's not necessarily true. Right. And that's where the right. leadership, you know, kicks in to be able to sit with young people to help them understand, okay, so what's next? Mm-hmm. And what's next is, you know, you doing what you said you were going to do, get your doctoral degree, and not just, you know, educate them from the music perspective, but you can also give them some in- information on ministry, you know, what it really means to, to you know, sing a song and and or perform a song. So this is the, and, the realness of... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and I think that today, I think that young people, they know how to sing, Right. They know mm-hmm. how to sing. They know how to present themselves. They got that part down pat. 
But what's hard is I tell people all the time there are three people. There are singers, there are psalmists, and there are recording artists. Singers aren't recording artists. Psalmists aren't recording artists. But you can be a recording artist and not be a singer or a psalmist. Because the recording mm. artist has a certain work ethic about them that, that says, I'm not going to stop until I achieve these results. Right. And if we're honest, most of the people, even on the secular side, aren't necessarily the greatest singers. They just outwork everybody else. So if you listen to a woman, wow. you listen to people like that who, you know, they say, look, I'm just going to outwork you. Mm-hmm. While you're sleeping, I'm working. Exactly. And that's the difference between good and great. Wow. Now, I know you're going to write a book. I just absolutely know you're going to write a book on the inside of gospel music or something. you got to have that down in you. Well, just a couple years ago, you know, I told you I'm a servant leader, so I pastor people. So I wrote a book called Purpose, Passion, and Provision, Releasing the Three-Dimensional You. And that book talks about, okay, so my purpose is the conduit of helping people authenticate their relationship with God. My passion is music. It's what I think about first thing in the morning. It, after I kiss my wife at night, it's the last thing I think about when I go to bed at night. Okay, and then I have provision mm-hmm. as an engineer and as a leader in the in the automotive industry. I, I have an opportunity to earn additional revenue that allows all three of those silos to be active at the same time. They're not always at the same level. But to be a three-dimensional person, you need to have purpose, you need to have passion, and provision that are all moving to be able to make sure that when one or the other two aren't necessarily moving correctly, you've got other things in your life that helps keep you balanced. Wow. Now, you know what? I know we're talking about the record, but how can people get in touch or, or find your book? I want all of that information right now. You know what? You know what? It's, it's interesting because right now it's on back order at Barnes and Noble as well as Amazon, but they have them Beautiful. available. You know, so they're available at any one of those outlets. You can order it and they'll tell you it's on back order and then they'll get it to you. But, you know, those books are available. And one of the things that I actually do is I actually do release parties that walk people through the book because it's really an action plan oriented book under 100 pages to really get people thinking and engaged in this space. To really deal with, you know, what the book deals with, and I don't really want to give it away. So, you know, it, it's 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 space where it's ministry because you you've been alluding to it. Yes, music is an extension of my ministry. The books are an extension of my ministry. My the whole name of the game is to be able to help people authenticate their relationship with God. Man, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, as far as traveling and touring, do you have any tour dates coming up? Yes, uh, actually, we'll be crossing the pond uh, in July. Uh, we'll be in Newcastle, United Kingdom, and uh, looking forward to that, you know, and definitely taking, you know, opportunities domestically um, to, to do, you know, workshop-oriented situations for young people, and then we can do a small concert and even then preach on Sunday, if that's what the Lord says, you know, for various pastors across the country that may be interested. That is so awesome. And how can people get in touch with you or your management team? How can people follow follow you? It's easy. Everything for me is at solo.to forward slash Lawrence Hancock Music. That's where you can get the email address. You can see the music. You can read the music reviews. All of that content is in one place. Give it to us Solo, S-O-L-O dot T-O forward slash Lawrence 
Hancock Music, No Spaces. All right, America, y'all heard it live and direct, up close and personal. We had one of the, the greatest recording artists that I can say that I've interviewed thus far. We went in depth. We talked about a lot of things from everything from his wife and his children and the blended family and the music and the doctoral degree and so many other great things. This is a man that is pastoring two local churches or two churches in, in his uh, surrounding area. We talked about him going on tour and, uh, I'm so glad that you were here with us today, Lawrence Hancock. We so appreciate you here at Philly's Favor. You know what, Mark is definitely grateful to be with you all today, and uh, looking forward to coming to Philly and have some steak, some steak, <laughs> some cheesesteak pretty soon. I haven't been <laughs> in a little while. I, I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, folks, stay close. We're going to be premiering a few of Lawrence Hancock's records right here. New album out everywhere. You can get it, get it, go buy it. Tell another friend, as I always tell you on the radio, tell another friend to tell another friend to tell another friend. The record just came out. It is fresh off the press. May 19th it came out, and we're just like, what, not even a week and a half away from it being out. And we are out here just saying you got to listen to it. Don't touch that dial. We're about to play some records from this man's album. Uh, once again, Gospel and Stella Award nominee, Billboard charting artist, and Recording Academy member. Woo! So much to say for this gentleman. We are definitely going to delve into this record right now on Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. All right, folks, you heard it. All the good music from this new recording artist, Lawrence Hancock. He's not new, new, he's new, but y'all know if y'all heard the interview, it was awesome. So it's time for us to get up out of here. We have been in the pastor's office. I told y'all I've been going through everything, looking for the offering, having a wonderful time, and enjoying myself. But well, wait a minute, I think the pastor's getting ready to come back, so I get to get off up out of here. Remember, you can catch your brother, Brother Marcus, every Monday and every Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. You can also catch me every Saturday from 7 to 9. But until next time, America, I'll leave you with these four thoughts. Be blessed. Stay blessed. You're blessed. God blessed. Until next time, I'll see you on the radio. Make it a great Sunday and let God bless you. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Son.